Welcome back to another episode of the Kitmen Podcast. My name is Rohan. And before we get into it, guys, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to drop five stars if you enjoy the content. It helps us out a ton. Now, as always, I'm joined by Owen and Dillette. Fellas, how are we? Doing fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm also oh, great. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Me? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about. We have Liverpool, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Man United winning two in a row and signing Anthony, Arsenal coming back against Fulham, and Man City coming back against Palace. So let's get into it. And let's kick it off with Liverpool just assaulting Bournemouth after that Man United loss 9-0. Owen, what are your thoughts? You know, I mean, I, I didn't doubt that Liverpool would win this game, but I think they definitely needed the statement. After losing to Man United and having a really rough start to the season, 9-0 is, is a statement, and they definitely showed that they are still a top team in this league. I want to hear Owen's take on the goalkeeping in that game. Yeah, so when I was watching it, I mean, okay, so Liverpool did have an expected goal. Um, I think it was it's around four, but they also had like 20 shots on target. And the ones that went in, I don't really know if you can even blame the keeper. For for I think realistically the goals that went in of the nine he could have maybe saved like two or three. I I agree with that. At that point, it's just I mean, there's nothing you can do. Team, you have a whole team in front of you, and like that's just a lot of pressure. Nine goals obviously looks real bad on a goalkeeper, but in reality, I I, I don't think he could have done much. I mean, there's there's one goal where Harvey Elliott. Elliot literally just slots it from 18 yards first time. You have Alexander Arnold putting it in the top corner. Yep. And then you have like I I, I remember he made a triple save. And then none of the yeah. Bournemouth <laughs> defenders moved. And then no one, it was just yeah, a tap no, in. No one was even within like six yards of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bournemouth are going down, surely, right? Like oh, for, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yola, yeah. do you, do you have any be- thoughts on it? Um, I will say I'm not like a nine nil winning against Bournemouth. I don't think is the, the statement that they think it is or that a lot of people are taking it as like Bournemouth is bad, dude. And I think if city, whenever they played Bournemouth wanted to put nine past them, I feel like they could have, I think Arsenal on a sharper day, maybe like later in the season, once the squad's really together also could have put like a crazy amount of goals past them. I feel like this, this result is getting gassed up a bit too much. Like, obviously, 9-0 is crazy, but 9-0 doesn't mean – 9-0 against Bournemouth does not mean we're back in the title race. Like, they still need to prove it against, like, a decent team. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make up yeah. for 2-1 against United. It, it doesn't, but it, it – yeah. Yeah, no. Or 2-2 to Fulham. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm being too harsh now, but, yeah, they, they still have work to do. Yeah, they do. They do. And I would like to specifically – say fuck you to Mohamed Salah because I have him in my fantasy team <laughs> and he was the only player on the field not to register a goal or an assist in a 9-0 win. Yeah. And I think he That's... played the whole 90 minutes as well, which is like the most frustrating part. I think even towards the end of the game, some of the players were like kind of forcing it to him, yeah. which is so crazy <laughs> having to force it to Mo Salah. But yeah, I think. Well, let's move on to Chelsea. Um, Another red card, two games in a row, but a win against Leicester. Owen, your thoughts? I don't know. The the Reds definitely could be a concerning problem going into the season. But a win against Leicester, I mean, I I was hoping, I was expecting a win. 
Um, if we didn't, that would have been concerning considering they're in last right now. I don't know. I don't think it says too much. I definitely think that we're still struggling and that there's more that can be done with the squad. But yeah, I mean, we it wasn't, I don't know. There hasn't been many convincing points in this season yet that I've seen from Chelsea. A game against uh, the, the tie against Tottenham, that was probably the best game we played and still tied that one. But I, yeah, the Reds, I think, are going to be a concerning thing going into this season. Does signing Wesley Fafana bring you any solace? Uh, I, th- I think it'll help. We just really need somebody, somebody strong up top. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things you got to like see how it plays out because I don't really know what's going on at Chelsea right now. I can't pinpoint the main problems. There's just a lack of chemistry, it feels like. I think you can at least pinpoint what isn't a problem. I feel like y'all's defense isn't a problem. In all the games, whether you guys are winning, losing, tying, like the defense usually isn't too bad. That's fair. Which makes me question why Fofana is even like on the radar. Like obviously he's one of the best young defenders around, but like you guys are like hardly able to score or even like move the ball out of the back. And yeah. it's like, what's another center back going to do to solve that? I think that's the point of Fofana though, right? Because he, he's not bad at moving the ball out of the back. No, and but it's like, lo- like since, since Chelsea lost moved, out on Kunde, you just need that in between movement, just the getting upfield. So that could could help right there, but it's really just the up up front that's struggling on Chelsea. Your build up to the second goal was very nice, though the Sterling, the Reese James True. Sterling cross. Yeah, yeah, his tap in right there. Yes, it was very nice, very nice. Manchester United win two in a row and sign Anthony for a hundred million. Delat, I'm interested to hear your your critiques on the signing. Dude, honestly, I think this whether he actually performs well or not, I I honestly don't know. But like this signing is probably up there with like the top three craziest signings ever. Why like why is he going for a hundred million? Even whenever you take everything into account from like a very generous perspective, it should still only be like 60, 70 max. Because he's probably what like a what what would you value him now just as a player? No potential, maybe thirty five, maybe thirty. I, like, is, I that, is it? Am I crazy in saying that? I'll add on. Last season in the Dutch league, he had twelve goals and assists. Not very moving, but I won't judge him solely off that. Just the player that I see there, I see like maybe a thirty million player. The potential that's there, I don't know what they see, but I only see like maybe max double that potential wise so they really should be paying more than 60 or 70 and they just threw 100 mil on it for absolutely no reason i, I just i like what do you, where did this come from did they start where what was the range what did they offer at first and get denied i don't that's what i don't get either because united weren't bidding against anyone else so i i know that main united put in a lot of bids and they all got rejected and then they finally agreed on 100 mil I think I I think I have done something brilliant here, right? Yeah, they they got Ten Hag to a to a club with a lot of money. <laughs> this is a conspiracy theory, all right? They were willing to let Ten Hag go to a club that has billions of dollars that is run terribly. They then they then sign Lissandro Martinez for how how much was that? Like fifty, I think. That was 60? 50 mil. I, I'll say, I'll say yeah. he, he, so far, he's looking like he's worth 50 mil. Yeah, he's but now, they've also added 
Anthony for a hundred million dollars. How much so, is that? So far, IX's profit is a hundred and fifty million, and it hasn't even been five weeks into the season. Wild. And you could argue that I don't even think Anthony was one of their like core players, if we're being real, which is even crazier. I don't think they'll miss that signing at all. No, and it's also a ridiculous signing because Man United already have like four or five wingers if you're counting Erickson. I wouldn't count Erickson, but they all suck. All the wingers there suck. I'm not mad at them signing a right winger. I'm mad. I just, yeah, the, the valuation is crazy. I don't think you're, you might be right about that conspiracy theory, man. Sending Ten Hog to clear out the club and just like generate insane amounts of revenue for IX. And then how much did that, they sign for that, that fullback for as well from PSV? Oh, Malaysia? He was like under 20. I don't think there's nothing too fishy there. And he actually looks he looks pretty good so okay, far. he does. But no, honestly, Anthony being used to, like, in that conspiracy way, honestly makes more sense than him being valued at $100 million. No, it's it's literally like money laundering. Like, like, like some, something's dirty with the Glazers, and they're trying to move the money. Um, My favorite part about this is that they still are starting Fred and McTominay. <laughs> and they, they've spent like 200 mil in in Ten Hawk's first summer. And not one deep-lying midfielder. Not Oh, I'm wrong. They have Casemiro now. Didn't even take that into account. All right, I take it back. Decent window. Decent window, but they've signed Anthony for 100 million. Yeah, it's crazy, but, you know, it's United. And I'm sure if any... If anyone else's club had the capabilities of like just spending whatever they wanted, they would, you know. I think... like I'm sure it's not like y'all signed Grealish for a hundred mil and he's played like ten games. Yeah, like it's really just like if that's the player that the coach wants for his project, like get him at whatever cost. And well, United can is, do that with sense. no consequence. Like the oh, in what in what ways? I mean, it will fit United's play style because it's Ten Hogs play style and Ten Hog coached Anthony. Is that really what they want? Like an isolation winger who's Who's gonna stay out wide? Yeah, yeah. He's gonna provide great width. He's gonna he's like a flare player. Is that what United really need right now? Like a he's player very risky like with the ball. Somewhat a bit like more consistent, someone that's a bit simpler. That's yeah. just kind of gonna get them across the line. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that is what they need, but maybe Ten Hog is looking at, at it in more of a broad sense. Whereas, you know, Anthony can be molded into whatever they do need, which I'm sure he can. He seems to have plenty of talent and Ten Hag likes him. So there's there's that. All right. Let's talk about Arsenal's comeback versus Fulham. Dillette, I'm sure you have a passionate speech. Yeah, bro. That was... People might not agree with this, but that's kind of crazy to come back. And only because Arteta, I don't remember him ever coming back against any team. Which is why we have like we had a lot of losses last season, the season before. It was because once we were down, like the game was virtually over once we were down. So mm-hmm. to see that this team has kind of like unlocked a new level to it, to where it can come back, even though it's Fulham, who actually are a pretty decent opposition. Yeah. But to see that they're able to come back against a team is honestly, I'm happy to see it, just because it's something new. Yeah, I was I was thinking the exact same thing. Like early last season season before that you're not going to see that they go down it's wraps so yeah. i think that speaks to the levels that arsenal's at right now they're definitely unlocked that they're a different squad than they have been in the past so just to be able to do that i think it speaks numbers to the, 
how much they've improved. I think Enkedia Jesus is a very, very nice pairing up top. Dude, yeah, I want to see them play together more. Because Enkedia uses his body pretty well. And then Jesus, Dude, a good false nine. Enkedia, like, genuinely sky's the limit. Because I feel like we don't see players improve and, like, change their play style so drastically in such a short amount of time. Because we know the Enkedia that we were seeing last season, two seasons ago, it is not the same guy that we're seeing now at all. Like, whenever Enkedia comes on now, he's basically doing everything that you look for in a nine. He's linking up play, controlling the ball off the keeper's punt, like, getting in the box for the goals, like, creating good chances, almost finishing good chances. Like, I don't know how, like, what his trajectory is now just because of how quickly he was able to adapt to what Arteta needed compared to what he was before, which was just like a poacher. I also think Mart- Martinelli honestly impressed me a lot against Fulham. Like, staying out wide and providing so much width and really stretching that Fulham back line. I still feel like that's not his best position. I feel like he's more useful or closer to goal, but that's not really what Arteta looks for in his wingers, you know? We see even Saka gets pushed to the touchline all the time. But, I mean, that's the thing. is like both both of Arsenal's wingers can be in-behind wingers, one-on-one wingers. You can play them inverted. You can play them narrow. And they're still so effective. You can play both of them also as wingbacks, and they're still effective. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's crazy, cra- crazy lucky luck or scouting. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but yeah, having those two winger options because they're both like so adapt. They're extremely adaptable and good for like what combined like six mil between Saka and Martinelli. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's move on to our final segment, Manchester City. Um, coming back against Palace with our Holland hat trick. Holland, seven goals and assists in like four games. Pretty crazy. He's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's that guy. He's a dog. I, I don't think any of us are surprised. I think, Owen, you kind of knew you had no doubts for him. Rohan, I'm sure you had doubts, but that, that came from somewhere else. That no, was, that the doubts were realistic, okay? That I was still that, that. there was nothing realistic about it. I still we, see it. we talked about this, bro. No, 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 no. Go. Mm. It so he only comes alive when City are really pressing at the goal. When City are kind of passive in those like 20 minute spells for each half that City kind of go through, Holland doesn't really get the ball. He's not really impacting the game very much. It's only when City really start to push and press for the goal is where you see him kind of come to life and what I would still like to see from him is for him to kind of fit into that slower play style those like 20 minutes in each half when the game is going by really slow because he seems to like ghost in those moments I don't really know what he does in those moments like he's literally just like up top I think that's fine yeah is is that crazy to say that he he yeah he should just like, especially playing for City, where they have no problems to control the entire game with just 10 men. Honestly, you could even make the case that it's a waste of energy for him to go around and pass in the run half or be outside the box for any reason, honestly. Like, just wait there, do your job, tap the goal, and whenever yeah. it comes to you. I, yeah. I will say – oh, no, go ahead. No, you're good. Go for it. I was just going to say, I'm happy that it's not a Lukaku situation where Pep hasn't changed his play style at all. 
you know, Pep has obviously told the players, go seek out Holland anytime he's in the box, anytime he's in behind. Yeah, no, he's always in that right spot just to, to finish it off. Because that's what, I mean, that's what Chelsea was trying to do with Lukaku last year. And that just didn't work. So this is, there was a lot of skepticism towards Holland just to see him be able to perform in the Prem, but he's definitely proven that. And I think it's just going to be uphill from here. I could see golden boot for him this year. Dude, golden boot is maybe just a step for him at this point, honestly. He's, <laughs> he's already on track to like absolutely destroy the the goal record for a single season. Yeah. Obviously easier said than done, but like even anything like remotely close to what he's doing now, I'm pretty sure he beats about like 10 goals. Yeah. yeah he's young. He's on fire, man. Yeah. You can just see yeah, it, like, whenever he... celebrations are just aggressive, man. You know, <laughs> he wants it. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> the exact opposite of city. Cause we'll see like Bernardo score a worldie and just like kind of run around and pump his fist. Yeah. No, Holland I saw Bernardo and... Silva. Dribble four Palace players. Yeah, it took a deflection, but he scored, and then he just literally ran back to the halfway line. Um, I saw Holland score yeah. from a Foden assist. We we were still down, but then Holland runs to the halfway line, runs to Foden, grabs Foden by his neck, and almost like detaches Foden's head <laughs> from his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy, bro. Impressed me was that all three goals were different. One was in behind. He shielded off a defender, and then still had the like quality to finish it very well one was a header which we don't see him score a lot of and one was like a classic city goal where i think john stones was shooting but it looked like city squared the ball three times in the box i think that was more a fox in the box goal yeah he, like yeah that was definitely a shot yeah it was definitely a shot yeah. he was there dude the, the goal where he shrugged off the defender that's crazy that's that's the, that's a kind of goal where if I'm like a 32, 33 year old center back, and it happens to me, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the retirement plan. I know I know football's grown to like where you can play till you're like 35 or 38 or something. Like, if that happens to me, I'm looking at the retirement plan, dude. Because this just means that twice a year I'm gonna have to go to play City and just get absolutely bullied by this 19 year old giant. That's I think cool. he might be 20 now. Yeah, I think dude, he's 20 now. 20. Like it's. That's wild. This man. might be this might be cocky of me to say, but I'm I'm excited to play for Arsenal and City to play, just because physically there's only like two three center backs that can compete with with Holland in the entire league, and it's like I think it's Koulibaly and Saliba, and I don't think anyone else can really handle that size, speed, and strength. I will say. I'm also excited to play Arsenal because I think it's going to be a really, really good game and honestly a pretty even game with what we've seen so far. But I think for any team in the Premier League that's pressing and playing against Arsenal, Gabriel has to be your pre your press trigger because there's been too many times I've seen him get the ball and just look so shaky and not pick his head up. Yeah, which is a shame because he's honestly, I would say he's more so, what's the right word? Maybe a little bit up unreliable i guess or he has he definitely has the mistake in him and i i say that that's a shame because his passing range is honestly pretty good for a that's center back thing. especially yeah but he, he just has a mistake in, in him team, like he does oh well. yeah yeah he'd fit yeah he'd fit right in there next to van dyke or even as the as the van dyke replacement if they move past him like he, he just has to take that mistake out of him but my thing um that i wanted to bring up my concern with city is that there are too many times we've looked susceptible on the counterattack. 
I think because the fullbacks are basically playing so much more narrower than we're even used to from City, it creates a lot of opportunity in wide areas for players. And I saw St. Maximin obviously exploit that. Yeah. I saw um, Eze exploit that pretty well. It's just a cause for concern. Like if we go up against Liverpool, Chelsea, or even um, Arsenal, with, if they put Martinelli in that wide area, Salah in that wide area, Sterling in that wide area. Oh. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you guys in the next episode.